As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Welcome to the show, Laura. I'm so excited to have you. This has been a long time coming. I cannot wait to dive into a conversation around all things nervous system. So happy to have you here. Thanks, Megan, for having me. I'm super excited too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think this is a this is a topic and a conversation that I'm sure in your world, it has been around for some time. But like I was saying before we press record, you know, where do we want to start today? And I think I would love to hear you just do some general educating of our audience here on what is the nervous system? What does it mean to have a dysregulated nervous system? Um, certainly introduce yourself, talk about how you even got into this work, and uh, we'll take it from there. So let's start with who are you? Tell us about you and your work. How did you get started in this? And let's start, let's do some baseline educating on all things nervous system. Yeah, no, it's exactly. Like 10 minutes, Laura. Yeah. 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's do it. I'm up for the challenge. Um, so essentially, when we're talking, when I talk about the nervous system, I'm talking about neuroscience. So it's a, it's in my, my neuroscience based coaching and consulting, which, you know, training and um, that specializes in helping leaders and their teams as well bounce back from burnout and actually really prevent burnout in the first place. So this, of course, applies to those in the coaching space, those in corporate, uh, those who are even, you know, just you know, working at some other type of job, right? Their burnout is very high at the moment. You know, all the latest polls are showing. I think there was a recent study that came out in Bloomberg even just two weeks ago that say that burnout rates are now um, higher than they were mid-pandemic. So that there really is this burnout is top of mind for people um, individually and also as a on an organizational level. So help my work is really helping leaders and teams build the necessary re resilience muscle, essentially, the resilience that drives creativity and strategic thinking and problem solving and that muscle that really allows us to have that human first culture as well that a lot of organizations are really starting to talk more about, which is compassion and trust and empathy and that leading from that place. And so really supporting leaders and organizations that are currently going through lots of change and uncertainty, which I think we can all agree right now, there's a lot of that uh, market disruption, even moving through, again, a lot of growth, too, because I also work with um, individuals on a one on one level and on a team level who are going through a lot of growth within their business. Um, and that requires a lot of resiliency as well within the nervous system. So I support anyone, again, from senior leaders, executives, middle managers to, uh, you know, coaches, founders of companies, entrepreneurs. And when I work with individuals, like you were just saying, we, I work with them at a nervous system level. So let's talk a little about what is the nervous system. So it's uh, when I work with clients, it's the autonomic nervous system. So meaning automatic. So these are the responses that our body, our physiology has to stress. So we think fight or flight or freeze response. And most of us have heard the heard of that terminology before. And so these are automatic responses. These are things you don't think about. Um, it's part of our quote unquote, our primitive brain. It's like our brain stem, the back of our, our head here. And then the front of our um, 
brain here is more the prefrontal or what we call in the cortex area of the brain. And that's what's responsible for the planning and the strategic thinking and the long-term um, creativity and innovation. So when I'm working with clients, I'm helping them get out of the back of their brain and get them into the front of their brain, essentially, through the power of helping them to understand and work with their nervous systems so that they can be more in that you know, prefrontal cortex part of their brain. <laughs> and the autonomic nervous system controls our breathing and our heart rate and our digestion. That's why it's automatic. When we say autonomic, it's automatic. So we don't, again, we don't have to think about it. And there's these different states of the system. And I'll just briefly talk about them. There's three main hierarchical states. There's the top, with, if you think of it in terms of a ladder. So the top of the ladder would be your ventral vagal state, which is when you feel safe, your system feels safe, your brain and body feel safe. This is when you can connect easily with others. This is when your prefrontal cortex is more available to you. So strategic planning, all of that. And then your system, if it detects a threat, it'll go down the ladder and go into fight or flight. And this is when stress chemistry rises like adrenaline and cortisol. This is when uh, where our bodies are getting you know ready for action, so to speak. I either got to run or I got to fight this threat that I'm perceiving in front of me. And so blood will actually also drop from your brain down into your heart and into your lungs in case you have to you know do that kind of movement to either run or fight. And then if that doesn't work, then we go further down the ladder. And now we're more in what they call in polyvagal theory in the nervous system world is dorsal shutdown. This is when the system just completely shuts off. And it's 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 almost like it to a kind of go into hibernation to almost like completely self-protect and keep as many resources as possible. And when we're in shutdown, this is when people really notice symptoms of adrenal fatigue and burnout. You can still have symptoms of burnout in fight or flight, but this is when once you're in dorsal vagal and shutdown, it's like it's really evident that you're in burnout. Okay, got it. I have 2,000 questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's see how many we get to. So I think this is where I want to go next. There are so many different specialists and specialties out there, especially right now. You know, we've got people who are just coaching people on trauma. We've yeah. got your body of work. We have mindset work, thought work. We've mm -hmm. got wealth consciousness work. We have inner child work. We have high performance work. Yep. Uh, my husband is a hypnotherapist and a high performance coach. All these tools, modalities. And, you know, I wonder if folks sometimes have a challenging time determining what's actually going on with them so that they can best discern you know, mm. what type of support or solution is really going to work best for me and my situation that I'm experiencing right now. So I think this is a couple of questions in one. I know you'll do a fabulous job answering it. What is the difference between all these different modalities, some of which I just listed, and how can we really have discernment mm. on what's going to serve us best in terms of nervous system work, like, is it nervous system work that I need? Is it thought work that I need? Is there room for all of it? If you could just sort of unpack that a little bit. Yeah, that's a great question. Cause you're right. There's so many, there's so many different options out there for people right now. And, and that's great on one level. I do think it's great to have many options to your, your, you know, bettering yourself or increasing your performance or, you know, giving yourself that edge in business or your leadership and, or just healing from things on a physical, mental, or emotional level. Um, so I want to say that I think with nervous system work, it's really what I, when I talk with clients about this, this is the foundation. So a lot of these other modalities, like let's say mindset work, we'll take that as an example. It's a great modality. I think it can help a lot of people 
the the issue with mindset work though if you're just like going about it like that's the first thing you're going to is that if your nervous system is dysregulated meaning that it's in a survive chronic survive, survival response so we need our systems to sometimes go to fight or flight and go to some of these other freeze and freeze. So it's not that we don't ever go there. The issue becomes when we're chronically living in these states. So if you're chronically in that state as a leader, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, you are essentially then it's very difficult to access that part of the, of the brain to really have nervous, to have mindset work be effective for you. Um, and the reason for this, again, like, what I said earlier is because if you're in a, in a fight or flight response, your system and your brain are telling you, we don't need cognitive reasoning right now. We need to conserve energy to just try to survive. So a lot of thought work, it's what mindset work is a lot of thought work. It's like reframing of the way you're thinking and your beliefs. And I guess that's very great work. But if your system is dysregulated, that's not going to be long lasting for you. The system has to be, you know, in a state where it feels safe, meaning not in that chronic dysregulation. And then any type of thought work or mindset work that you do is going to be more long lasting because now again, that part of the brain for our cognitive reasoning and thinking and, and planning is ava more available to you. So that's why it, it, it it's actually lo longer lasting. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. So, so it's like, an, it's an order of things. So it's like nervous, just nervous system and then mindset work and some of these other modalities that you may want to explore are great. And like, they just, you know, it, it works better. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, you work with a lot of very high functioning, high performing people. Yes. You work with a lot of leaders who are responsible for, you know, I don't know, eight, nine, maybe even 10 figure budgets. You are working with people who are extremely successful, very accomplished and not just in business or the career, but perhaps also in other categories of their lives too. Yeah. And, and, and but they still need your body of work. So mm -hmm. when someone is so high functioning and we'll just call it like high functioning and chaos. Yeah. How do they, how can, if, if somebody's in that place, how could they, or how could I even identify if I need the work that you provide? If I'm so successful I'm managing it all. I'm doing it all. I'm climbing up the ladder, whether it's corporate or it's in my business and I'm like crushing it financially or whatever. Yes. That's a great question because actually, yeah. How do we know? What are the signs? The majority of people. Yeah. And let's talk about some of those signs. So uh, what I, and specifically with the group of individuals you're talking about who are, like you said, very high functioning, they're getting all the stuff done. They're, they're moving very quickly. Um, so some of the things, some of the signs that I see are overthinking. So yeah, a lot of the individuals, Megan, that you're talking about, these high functioning individuals, highly successful, um, you know, getting everything done on their goals list. Um, so how would you know that you have any sort of nervous system list that you need, you need any nervous system work? So some of the signs that I see with my clients um, are things like overthinking. So they make the decision, yes, but there's a lot of back and forth, you know, a lot of like, should I do this? Should I do that? Or there's like a lot of thoughts in their head and it's almost like they get a little bit overwhelmed with all the thinking. They eventually do make the decision, but there's a lot of mental effort that's put into making that decision, if that makes sense. Um, there's also usually I see a lot of relying on stress chemistry to propel them forward, meaning 
I work with individuals too that will procrastinate on things. So they work better under pressure. This idea that I work best when I, I know like I got to go for it right now. Like there's no, there's no room anymore. But that's the system that's relying on stress chemistry and essentially to, to, in order to move you forward. So that could be either leaving things to the last minute, relying on stimulants such as caffeine on a regular basis, like to keep you in go mode essentially throughout the day or in the morning. Uh, sugar is another one too that sometimes people will rely on as a way to kind of propel them like to, to, for that momentum. Um, another thing too that I will see is sleep. Um, so you're, you know, maybe you're technically getting your eight hours, which you wake up in the morning and you're still feeling kind of tired. Like you're just not, don't have a lot of energy. So again, you're using some type of stimulant or high intensity. I used to see a lot of high intensity working out as a way to get that stress chemistry up in the body. So you haven't had breakfast yet. You're hitting your body with all this like high intensity exercise. So it goes into that, hits you with stress chemistry and you can mobilize for the entire day, essentially. Um, and then I also will see like an inability to like feeling tired, but wired. So like you feel tired, but you can't turn off your brain. You can't turn off from work. And I see this so much from my clients, especially those who are entrepreneurs, which I understand because you are a CEO, because you're, you know, you're the one managing it all. And, and you're, you're the marketer, you're the seller, you're the, you know, the, you're in PR, you know, you're, you're doing all the things. And so it's very hard sometimes to turn off from all of that because you're constantly planning and strategizing for the next thing. So for a lot of my clients, again, they're getting it all done, but they're they're having a difficult time being in the present moment, like with their families, with their, you know, with even just being on the weekends, like just being out and about, they're already thinking about the next thing they have to launch or, um, you know, adding more to their plate, essentially. I also see a lot of that. It's very challenging for these individuals to take things off their plates. They generally will keep adding more, even when <laughs> they know I should probably be taking something off, but I... I, I just, they just keep adding and then they keep using that word overwhelmed too. I'm overwhelmed, but I'm getting it all done, but they're overwhelmed, right? Mm -hmm. um, another aspect too is, you know, you're in a high stakes negotiation and you look very sort of calm and together. And then as soon as you leave that negotiation, you just break down. You mentally start to think that was terrible. They didn't like what I had to say. They're not going to say yes. Um, you just re you're thinking and going over everything you said, and it's almost like you feel like that imposter syndrome co coming in. Mm. That's all. These are all signs of nervous system dysregulation. Okay. So now that you just shared what some of those symptoms are, let's say someone works with you yeah, and they get to a, a state where their nervous system is regulated. Mm -hmm. How does that person function differently than what you just described? And what are they feeling and sensing mm -hmm. within on a daily basis? Yeah, so this is a really good question. So what I found with my clients are a couple of things. One is that they find that they can take more, there's more white space available to them, meaning like they take more breaks throughout the day without it feeling like everything's so jam packed all the time. So it doesn't mean they just, you know, oftentimes the individuals I work with either go from like work, 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 and then crash, work, 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 crash. And now there's more like nuance there where it's like, I work, break, I take a break, I work, and I take a little micro break. And it's more like a more sustainable pace that they're seeing. Thoughts start to change from, oh, I'm, I'm going to get fired, or this client's not going to sign up to feeling like, everything is good. Like, you know, you feel very confident in your abilities. You're not second guessing yourself so much. You're not overthinking all your decisions. 
Uh, procrastination goes way down. You're just like getting stuff done, but not in like a pushy way. Again, like you're not relying on stress chemistry. I have clients that are finishing up projects that normally would have taken them weeks and they have all the knowledge, they have all the skills, but they're not, they're not taking the action on some level. They're doing like little, little things, but like not taking the full action that they know they could be taking. And so once I work with their nervous system, they start to take more of that, more of that action as well. And then it doesn't take up so much mental space for them as well. Uh, HRV goes up, heart rate variability. That's another great one. I know some of your, some of the founders I work with really measure their HRV, gives an indication of, of performance, like, you know, good immune system and health and mental performance and mental resiliency. So when your HRV goes up, that's those, those are all good indications of that is of those other factors going up too. Um, a lot of my clients notice that they start to become less perfectionistic. Um, they start to be, they start to communicate better with their teams. Like there seems to be less of like a needing so much control all the time and micromanaging everything that they're doing. And even the teams will report back that the tone of voice in which the leader is, you know, uh, directing certain things has changed. That's because their nervous system has changed. So therefore the way in which they're communicating in their tone of voice and their other nonverbal cues has shifted as well to more of one of like connection and understanding and, um, I want to say calmness. I'm not saying like being calm all the time, but there's a feeling of like just being really present in the moment and dealing with what's here right now versus thinking like all the way in the future or just thinking in the past. Mm -hmm. I know you and I both work with a lot of teams yeah, uh, and leaders, the leaders of the teams. And I believe I've seen you, I've either heard you say this or I've seen you, I've read it that you've written this, that you can tell within seconds or just a couple of minutes talking to a leader, if their nervous system is regulated or not. And you can also listen to the team members to determine if the leader has a nervous system that's regulated or not. How do you do that? That's like <laughs> magic work, Laura. Yeah. It's funny. Like I hear that a lot. You're like a magician. Like, how do you, how do you know these things? It's like magic. Um, well, it's just from years of practice, first of all, of, of working with a lot of clients and seeing where their, you know, their nervous systems are and seeing patterns. So, for example, I work, like I said, with leaders who are, you know, founders of companies, and there's a lot of stress and pressure there. So I totally get why their systems sometimes kind of get stuck in these states, right? And so usually what I find is that they're speaking sometimes very rapidly. There's not a lot of uh, breath, like in between. Uh, they're not taking any full breaths in between their their how their, their words. Like there's not many pauses, um, or the voice goes up really really high, like almost like almost like borderline kind of yelling a little bit, you know, like and and I, <laughs> and I get and I'm not gonna get to be like super calm and like low voice, but it's like you can still have enthusiasm, but there's almost it's hard to describe, Megan. It's like it's something I can just hear and feel, but I I, I think it's it's generally they just feel like they're in such a rush. Like you just get that feeling from the individual, like they wanted yesterday, they wanted it yesterday. And then when you get that feeling, especially if you're a team member, it's then you start to kind of feel on edge, like, oh, I got to hurry this up. I got to get them to this now. Right. And so, and you know, sometimes there are deadlines and there are things absolutely, but it's like chronically though, this is how they're speaking to their teams is like, everything should have happened yesterday. And like, well, where is it? And like, hurry up. And like, there's just this feeling of like everything going hyperspeed. You know what, Laura? I have felt that way. The way you're describing how the team member feel feels, yeah. I have felt that way in in the past as the coach mm. of clients. 
who have the tendency, like have the behavior that you just described. And um, I haven't had that experience recently in the past like year to year and a half. But prior to that, the best way for me to describe it, and I wonder if, if it was exactly what we're talking about here, I would almost have like, not heart palpitations, but like my body temperature would go up. Yeah. I would like almost start sweating mm-hmm. and feel nervous yeah, and feel like a, a tension in my chest. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I probably felt that way with around 50% of my clients. Yep. And for a long time, and maybe it was this, like I've, I've tried to kind of put my finger on like, what, what was that? I think mm. to a degree, it was some people who might've been out of alignment with what they were even doing. And right. I would think to myself, like, it's pointless for me to even be like coaching you or guiding you because you're so out of alignment anyway. I'm like wasting my breath over here, but listening to you talk about how team members sometimes react and feel when they're being led by a leader who has a dysregulated nervous system. I think to a degree, that's what I was experiencing oftentimes with clients. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, absolutely. I see it go the other way too. Like, so here you are as the coach, right? And then you had these different clients coming in and like, especially, it's funny, I see this correlation a lot specifically with business coaches, right? So those that are helping you to generate more revenue, which is, of course, linked to your survival, which we talked about the nervous system is linked to all that, that survival wiring. So there's an unconscious sort of like element there around like, when you're meeting with your coach, let's say it's your business coach or someone that's helping you to grow revenue or uh, build your wealth, like you're going to, you know, whatever, wherever state your nervous system is in chronically, like there's like this element of like a lot of fight or flight. You that's like, that's where you go in your survival energy. Then that is what's going to come across to that coach for sure. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of like, so let's say, let's take fight or flight. Cause I think a lot of, for example, high performing, high achieving individuals are highly mobilized people. That's great. I mean, we need mobilization to get things done. If we're not mobilizing, we're not we're not getting things done. At the same time, these are individuals then that have a difficult time with pausing, um, a difficult time slowing down because to them, slowing down means I'm not safe. As long as I'm moving and I'm doing and I'm generating something, then I'm safe. That's how the nervous system sees it. So sometimes they'll even be told like, oh, you just need to chill or you need to meditate or you need to calm down or clear things off your calendar. The nervous system is going to say, no, danger, danger. No, we need to keep moving faster. We keep, keep going. Even if on cognitively, we know this pace isn't going to be good for us on some level, or maybe even attainable on some level to our nervous system. It's no, we have to keep moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you work with leaders of teams, are you also working with the team as a whole? Yeah. So I, yeah, usually, Yes. Yes. So there's, cause it's also a two way street too. Cause I also want to understand like, where's the leader, first of all, yes. Like how are they communicating? What is the state of their nervous system? Right. And then from there kind of assess to like, where's the team at now with their nervous system? Cause I also need, cause it's been years, let's say of some of this, uh, let's say chronic, like miscommunication or micromanaging, there's a little bit of now their nervous system being a little bit on the defense maybe. So needing to kind of work with that a little bit so that they can kind of begin to unwind and feel like, okay, no, I'm, 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 I'm stable here in some capacity, you know, like I'm held right in this, within this organization. So it's almost like working with leaders, like, like training leaders and rehabilitating the team. Mm -hmm. So like training the leader, how to show up to these meetings and how to, um, 
uh, you know, communicate and, and like what, what, what it is that they're, they are going, it's going to be the most effective for them and their leadership through the, through the power of their nervous system and then helping the team to rehabilitate for maybe some of what has occurred over the past several months, years, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. How would a, how would a team leader know to bring you in to work with them? Like, what are the signs that are going on in their leadership or with their team or the reactions they're getting from their team? I mean, you did such a beautiful job of describing the state at which we may may feel internally and some of those behaviors and signs that we have a dysregulated nervous system. How would a, not that it's any different for that human being who just happens to be in a leadership position, but from the perspective of my team and my company and the leaders on my team who are driving things forward and the way that I feel about my team and how I'm interacting with my team. Give us a, um, some insight into how that person might know, wow, I really need to bring Laura in to do some of this work with me and my team. Yeah. So generally I see um, like from a team angle, like, let's talk about that. So it, there's usually a lot, there's some element of a communication breakdown. So let's say, for example, you as the leader have instructed someone on your team to do something and then um and then that team member starts to get to work on it. But then there's almost like you you, you kind of like lose con- connection or communication with them. It's like, so then you're checking in, like, so what's going on? Like, is everything okay? Did you get this done yet? Like, and then, so there's almost like an element because you, it's an unknown, like what this person is actually doing or how they're doing it. And then that person then starts to feel more like survival stress, right? Because that leader is like, oh, they're checking in on me. They're, they're, they're micromanaging what I'm doing. So then they continue to kind of freeze up and kind of almost go more within. So it's really interesting because the leader is trying to draw them out. But the more they're kind of chasing them down, the more they're, the, 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 that team member is kind of like retreating, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also see elements of within teams where they just kind of start giving up, like they're doing what they need to do to do the job, but there's no more like, here's a new idea. Here's a new creative, um, you know, uh, yeah, idea or innovative project we can work on. Like you're starting to see team members, like maybe at the beginning, when you work with them, they had all these ideas. They were so enthusiastic. So, so excited to be there. And then maybe after a few months or even sometimes it can take longer, depending on the leader and kind of where things are at. They start to notice that individuals no longer pitching ideas. They're they're showing up, but they're no longer seem to be that interested one way or the other as to what is going on. Mm. So these are all indications of 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 something going on then within that organization that needs to be worked on. Because now you have, when I see that occurring, when I ask them like, oh, so this individual used to be like come to the meetings and used to be very enthusiastic and bring in all the ideas, and here we are six months later, and you realize like. They're not doing that anymore. That's a kind of a little bit of a red flag that that person could be a flight risk because now they're, there's an element now of feeling for them, like either they're not getting good feedback or there's a lot of micromanaging maybe that's happening um, or there maybe there's too much on their plate that's being you know given to them and, and they don't know how to communicate that to you. And so now they're maybe they're thinking like, okay, I'm, maybe I'm just going to go somewhere else and, and or they're just really burnt out and they're kind of doing the quiet quitting thing. I see that a lot right now is like, People are there, yes, physically, but mentally they're they've quit already. They're they're not really putting in any more extra efforting, let's say. Mm-hmm. So how does it how does the business owner and the leader discern whether or not it's it's what a nervous system issue, whether mm. it's theirs or the team members, versus I just don't have the right person in the right position. This person is just not a good fit. Because I and I'm asking that question because yeah, and you and I both work with 
with teams often. Yes. And I, I'm not specifically being brought in necessarily to fix the team. I'm being mm-hmm. brought in for another reason. I end up working with some of the team members. Yes. And then because I'm so integrated into everything that's going on at the company, I, I hear a lot and observe a lot with the team. And one of the things that I have noticed is that one of the biggest problems I'm seeing inside of companies is issues surrounding the team. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, it has a little bit, the issue is more with the leadership of the team mm-hmm. than it is, I just have all the wrong team members here. However, what I'm hearing leaders say is mm-hmm. just up, upset with the team. They're very upset with the team. They don't yeah. feel like they're being supported by the team. They don't mm-hmm. think they've got the right person who can actually do the job the way they want it done. Yep. Yeah. And I'm hearing that from probably hundred percent of the teams that I have access to. So how do you, how do we help leaders shift their, the way they're approaching it and the way they're thinking about it? Because if we're all just thinking, oh, I just don't have the right people. I'm just going to fire them and then find the next person. We're not solving perhaps the real issue here. So yeah, how do, how do we move that person to a, a different way of, of looking at things? Yeah, I think that's a really great question because I see this a lot too, where I sometimes will get brought in thinking, oh, I want you to work with my team. But then like I start to assess the situation, I find that's actually, I need to work with you as the leader <laughs> um, yeah. to fix a lot of these issues that you're upset about, right? Or, or that, that aren't working for either you and your team, right? So I, well, I guess one of the first things would be, okay, well, first of all, I wanted to say that I think you as a leader and as a founder, first of all, you have a lot on your plate. There's a lot of pressure, right? You're the decision maker. You're the one that's got to like, you know, figure out how to keep growing the company. You're the one with the vision, right? And so with that comes a great amount of responsibility and mental capacity for all of that. So I also just want to say that when you're in a leader position, I know how kind of it can be very overwhelming in a sense because you just got you there's so much that you have to get done. There's so many different ideas that you have in your mind and you want your team to just get out there and start implementing this so you can keep moving. And so, but here's the thing though, because there is so much on your plate, now don't you think it's likely, again, just just posing a question here, <laughs> um, especially if you're an entrepreneur, I want you to really think about this. Like how much you have to sort of the mental, like if you think about a computer, your brain is a computer, all these like tabs that you have open in your in your brain, right? So like, okay, I got this email I got to send out to my team, uh, this launch that I'm doing, this new initiative we're rolling out in the next few months. Uh, we just, we're going through this big growth period right now. So we need to like, you know, really generate, you know, we need to really uh, maybe hire a few new people in order to like, you know, uh, deal with this growth that we're going through. And that's a lot of mental tabs. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I think that would have a big, when you have that many tabs open, it makes sense then that your system at some point would maybe get a little bit in your brain overloaded or overwhelmed. And so then that could lead to potentially, right, maybe not the best communication at times um, with your team or um you know, even like fellow co-founders for that matter, because I also see that. So even maybe looking at like, how are people receiving me when I go into these meetings? Like, I want you to just get curious and just see. So like, you don't have to say right away, it's me. It's my, you know, you could just say, okay, let me just curious. Like when I go into the next meeting and I'm speaking about the next initiative, 
what is their reaction when I, when I watch them and just, just see, you know, like, are people engaged with you? Are they making eye contact? Is their body language indicating they're leaning in or are they really like this? And they're really not making a lot of eye contact and, or they're just kind of nodding and just like taking a few notes and then they're on their way. I, you know, so, and again, more than one person, you'll usually see this with more than one person because it can be very easy to say like, oh, well, it's just that one individual. But generally when we're looking at teams, I see it like it's more than one individual that are giving out these, these cues. Uh, I call them like these kind of nonverbal cues that they're giving. They're not telling you directly, but there's something there. And so if you start to notice that, again, just getting curious, like, hmm, I wonder what could be going on here. Why, why is there this sort of like, lack of engagement, or maybe not even asking a whole lot of questions to like, or follow up questions. And so I guess, Megan, the answer to your question, I would say is, if you as a leader right now are noticing that your team, you want to know if it's you or your team, I want you to look at first your track record, how many people have you gone through in the past several months, or even years in your company, where you keep coming up against the same issue, whether that be like low morale, like you start to notice like you hire people, energy is really high in the very beginning. And then after a few weeks or months, that energy really drops, that energy or morale just plummets to some degree. And then you're like, oh, well, now I got to hire some new people with more energy and more morale. And so if you're noticing there's a trend there, I want you to start to think about that could potentially be something then with your nervous system, which makes sense because there's so much pressure that you've been under as a founder and as a CEO that oftentimes our systems can get a little bit dysregulated and some other things may start to kind of, I don't want to say fall by the wayside, but it's almost like we're so focused on just growing the company that we can forget sometimes these other elements of, for example, being a good effective leader with our teams and like how to, you know, really keep sustainability within, within a team dynamic. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that. So the other thing as I'm listening to you share here, Laura, are certain people more susceptible to having dysregulated nervous systems, perhaps based on the environment they grew up in as children? Does that have any type of impact? Like if we grew up with parents who, mm-hmm. um, you know, let's just say, for instance, there was a lot of fighting in the home, whether mm-hmm. it was verbal arguments or there was domestic abuse or there was alcoholism or if someone was even military family where mm-hmm. you're you moved 17 times before the age of 18 and went to 14 schools is that person is there an environment where you grew up in an environment and it creates more susceptibility to having a dysregulated nervous system or does that have nothing to do with it no it has everything to do with it because we we it's a great question megan and i our nervous systems wired to our environments to the people around us mm-hmm. so how we So even when you were in utero with your mother, your nervous system was wiring to her nervous system. At that time, you were in sync. And so, and then whatever environment, yes, you grew up in. And it's funny because I found a lot of correlations between, and there's a study that's been done about this too. It's called Our Entrepreneurs on Fire. And it was a study done in 2015 by someone, I think in Berkeley here, a professor. And what he was looking at was the correlation between founders and entrepreneurs and mental health. And it was clear by the data that entrepreneurs and founders have a much higher, I think he was like 72% at least, um, have mental, quote unquote, mental health issues, meaning like there's some form of like anxiety, uh, depression, uh, maybe a diagnosis of, there's also diagnosis of ADHD. Um, and so 
he, he was wondering, okay, so what's going on here then? Why do so many founders and entrepreneurs have these quote unquote mental uh, health issues that come up for them? And what I have found is that a lot of these entrepreneurs and founders came from environments where there was a lot of chaos on some level. So whether that be through, like you just mentioned, maybe through arguments in the home, maybe it was a parent that was just, uh, you were on your own a lot. Maybe you had to fend for yourself a lot. Like the parent was maybe you had a single mom, she was working, so you came home and you had to take care of yourself or your brothers or sisters. So you were in that leadership role very early on. Um, there was maybe, yeah, you were moving a lot. So there was not a lot of predictability or stability in your environment on some level. And or there was maybe there was no money in the home and there was a lot of, there's no stability there either income wise. So there was some lack of stability on some level, whether it be emotional, financial, uh, maybe mentally, you know, we had a parent maybe with a mental health issue. So there was a lot of unpredictability with that parent or caretaker as to how they were going to react in certain situations. And so your system kind of got wired to be a little bit in uh, that, that sense of chaos, so to speak. And it's interesting then because when I look at the, the environments of founders and entrepreneurs who grew, who grew up and it's, it's it's really interesting to then later see them put themselves or build companies, uh, scale these large companies with so many unknowns and so much stress chemistry and th there's so much unpredictability and novelty and entrepreneurship. But it kind of all makes sense when you look at their, their history of their childhood where there wasn't a lot of stability there either. So, and there was a lot of needing to kind of mobilize essentially like shut off certain maybe emotions in order to um, get through whatever situation was in front of you. Uh, maybe because either emotions just weren't talked about in the home, parents didn't know how to hold them or caretakers. Maybe everybody was just super busy all the time. There was like 30 things on the calendar. Like as soon as you got home from school, you had your after school activities, you were booked solid. Like there was no time to breathe or stop. Your system's going to get wired into that state, and then you're going to carry that through into your adult life as well. And it sounds good; it looks good on paper on some level, but there comes a point where the system, though, will—it's not sustainable, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. So this is where then I see a lot of founders and entrepreneurs once they get to a certain point in their career or even their growth. Like sometimes when they've really reached the high success place, like eight figures, what multiple? Like we're dealing with millions and millions of dollars you'd think that this would be where they would start to then feel even more stable, but actually the opposite starts to happen. They, they, they're the more money that's coming and the more growth that's happening, there comes a point where then the system says, I, I can't do, I can't keep, I've been doing this for 30 years. I can't keep operating in this highly mobilized state. And mm -hmm. so then this, all these other threads start to kind of come undone so mm -hmm. to speak. And it can be done, they undone through health. Like they start to have health issues that come up and I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't diagnose people, but they'll come to me and they'll say like, Oh, my thyroid levels are off or I have really high cortisol levels, or I have symptoms. My doctor's telling I have symptoms of adrenal fatigue, or I used to have such great focus. And now I think I might have ADHD because I'm really having a difficult time focusing and I'm constantly procrastinating and I'm on my phone a lot and I can't get off my phone. I'm like, these are all indications of a system that is experiencing nervous system dysregulation, mm -hmm. uh, digestive issues. Um, then there's other things too, like um, just having a difficult time remembering things um, because there's, again, the mental load is very high. Um, 
planning ahead. Like they, they used to be such, they were evil before, like they felt like they could just kind of always keep pushing through. And now suddenly they feel like it's taking so much more effort to get the same amount of things done. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting what you're sharing around uh, these folks who look very, they are very successful on paper and they've mobilized and they've, they've built these huge, fascinating businesses. You posted a story on your Instagram feed sometime in the last week. And it was about a woman. I don't remember her name. And I think she was a YouTuber or had YouTube courses or something. Oh, yes. I read her whole entire blog because that post linked to her entire blog post where she was talking about, uh, shut She shut everything down. I think even paid back money to clients who were still in contract with her and is going on an indefinite sabbatical. And this is not uncommon. I mean, we are seeing this happen almost every single day at this point. And I think the first time I saw it, was maybe three or four years ago. And it was not someone I had ever purchased anything from, but somehow I was on this person's email list and they had not sent an email in about four or five months. Mm. And then they sent an email, the subject line caught my attention and the person had just literally gone to a deserted Island for four months and stopped their business because they just needed to like find themselves again. I mean, and Mm. I'm not talking about find their purpose again, but just like get back to like, yeah. Who am I? And <laughs> nobody was using the terminology nervous system. Right. But we're starting to see this often. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about here. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember which, which person you're talking about. She was, you know, highly successful. In fact, this is where like she had reached this level. I think it was like 500 K months for starting. I mean, it was just like all the things that every entrepreneur, you, you know, dreams of, right. Like all the opportunities that were coming, the money that was happening, the notoriety, of her and her YouTube channel and her business. And yet she walked, she's walking away from all of it, at least at the moment, at, at the time right now, she just, and I don't know all the reasons, of course, for this particular individual, like, the, I, I think there was probably a, a, a building of this. Again, it seems so sudden. It's like one minute you're looking at someone and they're, they're doing all the things. And suddenly they, like you said, they, they sent an email saying, I'm going to sabbatical or I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm, I'm burning down my business for, you know, and people are like, wait, that, but she was so successful. What happened? But there was so much happening behind the scenes for that individual. They obviously weren't probably weren't sharing publicly. Um, and so there was, it was a building to that point. So it, it doesn't happen overnight, these things, but you're right. It is happening more and more. And there's, there's various reasons for this that I'm seeing. One is particularly women. It's definitely hitting women very hard. I'm, I'm seeing, I think it's like one in three senior level executives in corporate now are, are, burning out or they're leaving. And what we're seeing, I think there was, a, was it the um, CEO of, I think it was YouTube recently who stepped down. Um, there was someone else in, I think it was the uh, prime minister in New Zealand. She stepped down recently. So we're seeing women specifically also being really highly impacted by, let's call it burnout, essentially what's happening, even with, at the top of their career and with all, all this success. And this is this is due to nervous system dysregulation. It's this is the core piece that I have found is the reason as to why this burnout happens. So when you can work with your nervous system and rewire it, you don't then you can actually prevent that from happening. But a lot, like you said, a lot of these people just didn't know about it, and so you just kind of keep going, you keep pushing, and you keep doing all the things you've known to do, and then you know you kind of reach this point where then you sometimes have to burn it down or or feel like you have to burn it down or walk away from it all. Yeah. 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 This is, I find this so fascinating, Laura. Um, 
Yeah. Part two, we're going to have to have a part two because we could, there's so many questions I have and topics that we would love to talk about um, further and just don't have time today. So I love your work. I love what you're doing in the world. So many people need it for those who are listening to this and they're recognizing themselves and a lot of what they're hearing you say, what is the best way to follow you, get more insight from you, watch you for a little while, or go ahead and, and set up a time to have a connection call with you? Yeah. So uh, a couple of places I'm over on LinkedIn, so you can find me there. And then you can also find me on Instagram. Um, I post there regularly in, in as well in my stories and share a lot of things about clients, what I'm seeing going on uh, in the market as well, because I am here in the Bay Area. So there's a lot of um, interesting trends that I'm seeing currently with Silicon Valley and how it's also really kind of, I think, an indicator of some things we're going to see in other industries as well. So anyways, if you're curious, you can find me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and then I'm also on my website, which is lauralisalarios.com. Awesome. Well, all of that is in the show notes. So if you loved what you heard today and you found great value from what Laura had to share, please reach out to her. I mean, if anything, like start following her on some of these channels. She is a wealth of, of knowledge and wisdom and information in this category. And there are not many people out there who do what you do either, Laura. So um, yeah, it's really important work. Thank Thank you you so much. This was wonderful. And um, we will have to do part two at some point in the future this year. Yes, I love that. Thanks, Megan. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.